And welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K drama, we watch it a few episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we're doing our bonus episode of Business Proposal. So we're just here to talk about everything, talk about our feelings, what sat with us over the past week since we last talked about it, over the course of the series, what really, really stuck with us, all of the thing, all the bonus stuff. All that good, good bonus stuff. I I am still sad to say goodbye. I am still kind of in the denial phase. That's the phase of grief I'm in. Pure <laughs> denial where I'm waiting for more business proposal. I am also very sad. I think that there is something, we kind of talked about it when talking about the finale episodes. Uh, here's a feeling that that sat with me, stuck with me, and didn't really leave, is that the last episode almost felt rushed. Almost like we just didn't have enough time to sit with how everything concluded. I don't know, though. Is it because I'm just in denial and I'm selfish and I want more, or is it because that actually is how it was? I at least agree with you. I'm on your same page. It, I think we said it after watching it, that it felt kind of weird and stilted for such a great show with such great pacing and silliness and all of these romance tropes baked in to just kind of end and have a few loose ends that weren't like huge, but just kind of say goodbye to every character pretty quickly and be like, they're fine. Keep bye. <laughs> I'm sorry, we spent how many hours with you? And we could spend how many hours more? Like, we loved these characters and this world, and I could have used just a little bit more time with it. Yeah, like one more, literally one more episode just to kind of wrap everything up and be like, and this is what they're all doing now, and how it all shook out, and it's over because... There's nothing else to say where it's like, I just feel like there's more to say. There's more, I don't know. There's more to just- Especially after a year apart? They gave us a one-year time gap? Yeah. A one-year time gap in the last, like, 20 minutes of the last episode. And then the wrap-up is, like, 15 minutes of, here's a year later and everyone's doing this, I guess. And you're like, that's not- satisfactory at all i need more i need to know exactly what everyone is up to and what they'll be doing for the rest of their lives and you don't have to show all of that to me but just tell me like show me what they're thinking about and talking about and and give me just a little snippet into the rest of their lives just a more than just they each get five minutes to rapidly wrap up what they were doing in the year apart. Psychotic. We cannot handle this. Okay, I'm getting more fired up about this. <laughs> Didn't expect to bring some heat to this episode, but it it's a hot takes episode. It's and a we hot didn't, takes episode. We didn't bring our spicy food, but we brought our spicy attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot our topogi, but we brought our... 
hot takes, which is that the finale was not great. Mm -hmm. It was rushed, guys. It was a rushed finale. I wanted more. I wanted more, not just because the show was amazing, but also kind of because the show was amazing. Almost exclusively for me, because the show was amazing. (laughs) Like, if it was a bad show, I feel like that might have been a fine ending. Yeah, like, would have just been like, happily okay. ever after. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, no additional questions. Thank you. I <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> need more. Any? Oh, any other hot takes off the top of your head? Um, no. I feel like more will. C- well, okay. Here, I've, I've got one. <laughs> oh, no. I've got one. I, it did come to the top of my head immediately. Um. And I'll tell you why it came to the top of my head in just a couple minutes, but I want to talk about the hot take itself first. And it's that I think that they really shot themselves in the foot with something they were kind of going for, for most of the drama. Again, we talked about this a little bit in, or probably too much in the finale episode that we podcasted about, but I'm back here in the bonus to say it again. I think they tried really hard to do the thing that K-dramas, especially in like, I want to say like 2016 through 2020, it was super, super common for K-dramas to really romanticize the rich family or like the rich, the, the I don't know, being rich and the rich guy almost exclusively. I can think of one time when it's the the woman. <laughs> no, two. Two K-dramas where the woman is very rich independently of the man. And that's Encounter and Crash Landing on You. Otherwise, it's always the man, the male lead is super, super rich from a very rich family and comes out of that being, you know, so level-headed and grounded and <laughs> just wants to find love for love's sake and is has never had a moment of therapy but is super super emotionally put together um or even if he's not like love overcomes it or whatever right where i'm like okay he would if he's a real person rich like extremely extremely like corporate rich person uh he's probably gonna get bored with this relationship pretty quick um (laughs) sorry i just the hot take is that i don't find romance in rich people like in like there being the power imbalance of rich people the power imbalance of you know him being the president of the company she works with we've talked about it a million times but i think what this where the like real hot take comes in is that this k-drama tried to bring that back by really really humanizing like the chairman and the rich people and they're they're just people and like he's not a greedy rich person in fact he calls out another rich person for being greedy partway through the series and he he does all of these things and then in the last two episodes, immediately just starts abusing his power as a rich person. And I'm like, you just proved the point. You just <laughs> proved the point that you are a problematic person because of your money and status. That's fair. I thought you were going in the direction of Kang Mu because although we often get a very level-headed, cool male lead this time around anytime he was slighted 
he immediately turned on Shinhari and harassed her yes. to the full extent of his powers. Yes, the full extent. Like, I am your boss, and I will rain down hell at your job. You will be worried for the rest of your livelihood, like, all of your livelihood. I also know where you live and what your family does, so. I will use that against you. I hope you know that to be true. Yes. Yeah, no, the rich people in this show were such a consistent problem <laughs> in such a, in the craziest way where you could tell that they kind of were trying to be like, no, that isn't how the rich people are. He's an orphan. He knows what it is to struggle and work hard for what he has. And I'm like, I'm not denying that he works hard. I'm just saying he's a fucking problem. <laughs> I think the existence of Sung Hoon as a character really undermined anything that they could have done with the chairman or Kang Tae Mu being people of the people. Like, yeah. like <laughs> you have a son servant. Yeah. So your brother is your servant. <laughs> it's great that you're brothers, but he's also your servant. And so. <laughs> You will never be human to us. You will never be okay. <laughs> you found him in an orphanage. You adopted him. And he grew up not inheriting half the company. Not as a son would. As, yeah. <laughs> as one of two brothers would. <laughs> Being raised as a secretary. <laughs> Psychotic behavior. <laughs> I don't understand his role at all. What are they doing? There is no coming back from Sung Hoon. Like, that's <laughs> it. They're not good people, period. They're really bad people. It doesn't matter if they have an excellent relationship with him. They clearly do not understand anything about power dynamics or how they work or what it's like to be in a position of privilege, even though they are constantly in a position of privilege. It's so weird. It's eerie, and I hated it. That's my hot take. There is no coming back from Sung Hoon. Like, yep. that's it. They're bad people. Yeah, extremely rough. Extremely rough. <laughs> and they never tied that up. They never resolved it. That's part of my qualm with the ending <laughs> as well, is that it was just like, and he's on a break. He's on a one-year break while, while Taemu goes off to help his grandpa, where you're like, I hope he was asked and invited to also help his grandpa. <laughs> um, but sounds like he had no interest at the very least, but maybe no invitation. Yeah, who's to say? I, we don't know what role he played in it because no one felt like they, we needed to know exactly how he fits into their lives. It was always just kind of a thing that would pop up periodically of, of who he is and what he does. And then it would kind of just disappear into the background again like a good silent servant. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hated that. I don't yeah, we, understand. <laughs> we definitely ignored that red flag. We definitely threw because we hadn't. We called it out, but it's not like we had. Um, I mean, that's what the bonus episode is for: is for us to get really spicy with some hot takes. I think that's my biggest hot take, though. That is a good one. I feel like I have a a more mild take that I also already called out, but maybe not super staunchly. I think that Young So 
definitely didn't always have the best communication methods, but usually she was super right. Like, Ah. I, I think she was consistently correct. And I don't know if we gave her enough credit for that because she communicated it so problematically that, like, when she was fighting with uh, Sung Hoon periodically across episodes, I was usually a little bit mad at her because of how she was reacting. But also, whenever she spoke her, like, whenever she said what she was feeling, I was like, you know what? That's so valid, though. That's like a super, super valid. Like, her complaint was always that, I don't know, that she didn't like how Sung Hoon was being treated by his boss brother, who she didn't even know was his brother. She just thought it was his boss. Like, that's the only information she was working with. Was it problematic that she communicated it by throwing a fit on a mountain? Yeah. Yeah, that was. (laughs) But was she wrong? I I don't really think so. I don't think so. Was it problematic that she was throwing a fit about it on a mountain after dating him for less than a month? Yeah, probably also to play the it's me or your job card a month in is a little bit, a little toxic. But was she wrong to be mad? I don't, I don't think so. I think she was right. And she was also right whenever she was getting really fired up over something that was affecting Hari uh, for the most part. I think the only time I was ever like, Young So is wrong is when she was fully ready to let Hari uh, just kind of like take some falls pretty early on in the series, uh, going on blind dates and stuff that she clearly didn't want to go on. But other than that, I think that she was she was usually right. Oh, I won't give a hard disagree, but I do feel like I have a soft disagree. Where I think. You kind of ended on the point of she just wasn't always totally right, and she almost never communicated it in a level-headed way. So it's hard to fully be like team. I'm team Young So. Like I love her, <laughs> but I was never fully, fully on board. I think it was really well written to be that you could be on both of their teams almost at the same time. Yeah, because uh, they were usually on the same team. Yeah, that Sunghun knew that he should apologize for things, but he was being a coward and not talking to her for two weeks, just like ghosting her sometimes. (laughs) And that she knew she was being unfair by cornering him into giving a few food review or the whole thing with her cousin that was like, you're both being not great in this situation. (laughs) He's not communicating, but also... You're getting really, really mad at him over something that I think could be resolved with a conversation. Yeah, that's so, fair. Like, oh, I'm somewhere in the middle. I loved her, but she was a lot. Yeah, I also think back to when she, it felt like she was stirring the pot with their friends when they were at Minwoo's restaurant. And at first, it seemed like she was taking some really, really unfair shots at Minwoo's girlfriend, whose name I've forgotten. Yura sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and then later we come to find out that Yura is like psychotic <laughs> and doesn't have any accountability for the absolute shit show that she caused. 
I retroactively was not mad about about <laughs> Young So being such a problem in that scene. Oh no. At first I was like, don't start shit. And then retroactively I forgave everything for the simple fact that I think that Urod deserves everything that she did get during the show that was uh all 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 of the shit that she took, I think was well deserved. <laughs> But it's hard with you, Rob, because I think, like, I don't remember exactly what was said in the scene, so maybe it's completely different than what I remember. But I think any time that she got riled up, it was never, like, just taking shots at Minwoo and Yura. It was always Hari was somewhere in there, mixed in the middle. And it's, like, even if it was just an implied, like, you're in love with a man that's not in love with you. That's interesting. What a bold choice. It's like, well, then who's he in love with? Probably your homie right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe don't start this <laughs> if you're really friends with Hadi. Like, that's so mean. <laughs> that is really, really toxic, but so funny. <laughs> you all had zero consequences other than just like breaking up with her boyfriend when the relationship was already kind of failing, like it wasn't good. I don't feel that bad about that relationship ending on the level of like, that's not a punishment. That was just inevitable. It was an inevitability. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, And that was really the only consequence she got. Maybe like a wasted decade on Minwoo. <laughs> oh, and that's on you. He is mm-hmm. the enigma. Like, you, no one can pin him down. Why would you even try? Why would you even try? Who knows what's going on in that beautiful dummy's head? <laughs> <laughs> Look at him all the way up there. Yeah. What's that guy? Six foot five? <laughs> a statue, a beautiful, beautiful man. And <laughs> so lost. So lost in the clouds. You can't touch him. <laughs> I don't get why you try. <sighs> Too many people did. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. How could you not want to? I don't know. Yeah. Beautiful man. Um, So the thing that made me think of rich people uh, and the one, I guess, kind of fun fact I'm bringing to the show, I actually realized this around episode six and then consistently forgot to bring it up during recordings. The house that the chairman and... Uh, Temu live in is very recognizable. I saw it and I was like, I know what K drama I have seen that in. Uh, do you do you know just out of curiosity? I have one guess, but I what? don't think it's right. <laughs> what, what's the guess? Is it Little Women? It is. You're <gasps> right. <laughs> I'm so good at architecture. Give me the degree. <laughs> Yes, yep, that was it was in Little Women. There was another K drama because I ended up looking it up just to confirm, but it wasn't even one I had heard of. I can't even remember the name of it at this point. Um but it uh yeah, they that was the house that the evil rich people lived in in Little Women, which also uh I kind of love the I don't know, irony of that that <laughs> That the evil rich people live in that home. And then they have this sweet K-drama where there's not supposed to be evil rich people, but there are. (laughs) (laughs) And they live in that house. A little wink. (laughs) A little little wink. "Mm, mm, New hot take, Grandpa should have died. But we'll just sneak that in there. (laughs) 
back to the house. Yeah. I think I saw a reel on it that it's been in a few K-dramas, like you said, a few notable ones, and that it's for rent, that you can rent it out. Oh. I assume that's how they get it for K-dramas, is they just buy it, but they're like, you want to stay here? It's a million dollars a night. <laughs> Come and stay. Like Airbnb, but for rich people. And I think that's dope. Yeah. Rich Airbnb. <laughs> To have a rich Airbnb. <laughs> That's super cool. What a crossover. Because yeah. I, I don't know how I recognized it, except that it's very boxy and cement. But it's so weird that Little Women was shot in such a distinct and different style from Business Proposal that it's almost unrecognizable. They're almost yeah. not the same house. Yeah, because... Business proposal is so lighthearted, and every time you see the house, it's well lit. Everything is fine. And then when you see the house in Little Women, it's kind of gray. It's still beautiful. It's elegant, but it's it's like you can tell the evil rich people live there. <laughs> There's a darkness that clouds around it, and it's <laughs> it's pervasive. Yeah, yeah. It. When they shot the front of that house in Business Proposal, and I was watching the episode and saw it, I mean, it's like a visceral reaction where I was like, I know that house. There's an evil in there. There's an <laughs> evil in there that cannot be purged. And you knew it, because no matter how much that grandpa watched the Shingumi show, he was never going to change. He was never he he was not introspective enough to change. He couldn't look at himself even though at one point he did look at himself and say rich people aren't like that. Uh he couldn't he couldn't do it. He couldn't actually analyze critically. Insane. The house knew. The house knew all along. <laughs> oh, remember that little speech that Shinari's dad gave to Temu. That's going to stick with me forever, I think. It's hard being poor. That was one of the best scenes I've ever seen. That was a good monologue. If I was in high school again, I would do that monologue. For sure, for sure. That would take me to state. Take you to state theater and speech. (laughs) Theater and speech, giving me the speech of a father, a young, poor father. To his daughter's rich boyfriend. Oh, I could do it so much justice. Give me uh, an ill-fitting suit. I can do this. <laughs> Slightly baggy. Shoes too big. Shoes too big. <laughs> oh, I'll do a little mustache. Really <laughs> sell it. I will sell this scene. Oh, did I ruin it? Mm-mm. It's probably still fine. I, I love it. <laughs> I told you this before we started, because I looked it up two seconds before we started, but um, <laughs> our boy, Kang Tae-mu, An was the lead in Dr. Romantic 2, <laughs> a show I have seen and loved and did not remember at all. And it's a straight across lead to lead. It's lead a- to lead. <laughs> he was the guy. He wasn't Dr. Romantic, obviously. <laughs> We all know who Dr. Romantic is. <laughs> if you don't recognize Dr. Romantic, you should not be watching gay dramas. Like, <laughs> just go look him up. But yeah, that's on me. That's my bad. I feel bad about that. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I almost <laughs> I almost made an excuse of like, well, if it was the lead from the first 
from the first Dr. Romantic, then I would have been like, how could you not? He, he's been in so many shows that we've seen at this point. He's been in the, he's been in Mr. Sunshine. He's been in Dr. Romantic hospital playlist. He's been, he's been in so many. Then I would have been like, how dare, how dare. But I mean, a sequel that I haven't even seen. It's good. (laughs) Apparently he's also the lead in Dr. Romantic three, which I forgive myself because I haven't seen. (laughs) <laughs> that's on the list it's on the list i do need to watch uh dr romantics one or two and three i've seen one two okay. and three. there's convoluted as the first one but <laughs> i can, is there- i haven't seen three but i know it is <laughs> it's it's what dr romantic brings to the table that's what he knows <laughs> it's what he got his degree in um <laughs> his doctorate uh but uh Speaking of who's that face, the actor who plays Sung Hoon, whose name is Kim Min Kyu, he was just, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to, he was like a secondary character who was very, very, very charming and suave and very young in Because This Is My First Life, which is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, and he was so darling in that that I remembered him, and then I was obsessed with him, and then I saw that he was a character in this show, and so I said, "Put it on the list <laughs> sixteen <this> times because <laughs> <laughs> he was so darling, and because this is my first life, and that's my secret. That's the secret that I've been hiding this whole time is that I think that." Kim Min Kyu is super, super adorable, and that's why I continuously put business proposal <laughs> on the list, no matter how many times it did not get picked. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth the wait. I feel like it became just a name to me, and now it's so much more. I'm so glad we watched it. I am too. It was such a lo- it was such a good pick me up. It was such a good way to start the year. Yeah. And it introduced me to Kim Sejong. Like, Kim and Q, love him. But Kim Sejong might be the love of my life. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with She's... her singing and her acting and her everything. She's great. She is the whole package in a way that boggles the mind for me. Where I'm just... People like Kim Sejong exist. And they... They do. They do it all. It's not even that Mm because she's obviously talented, right? Like she's extremely talented, but she's also just like involved. She is relentlessly busy and talented and doing shit in the industry and crushing it. And she's also very beautiful. (laughs) And I do have a crush on her. A little bit. A little little bit of crush. How can you not? Oh, she's perfect. She's she's our everything now. So grateful to this show for that. Also, it might be toxic forever. I don't know. It might crush me that I'll never get to meet her. You know, I've been there. I feel that. <laughs> the crushing weight of fandom. <laughs> the crushing weight of fandom. The way that I think about Kim Go Un and how we'll never be friends. Oh. <laughs> I think you told me that you, like, decorate your house and try and keep it clean to the standard that if Kim Go-un came over, if she dropped by, 
<laughs> she'd drop she'd by. Be impressed. If she if she wanted to come and visit New Mexico, the mountains of New Mexico, then I could have Kim Go Un stay in my house. <laughs> she'd be so excited too. It's an open invitation. Just so she <laughs> if you're listening to this, Kim Go Un, you can come over anytime. I'm just kidding. I do not have the place decorated to the standards that I want to happen. <laughs> That's the goal. Give me like a month if you're coming. Just let me know a month in advance. I will do everything in my power to make this place ready for you. <laughs> yeah, that's not a long time. I wish No, you luck. yeah, it's definitely not enough, but like I got that um ADHD hyperfixation. So oh, it's all I would true. do for the month. But Kim Se Jung, you can come stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. There's not a lot of space. You have to sleep on the couch, but that's fine. <laughs> it's a nice couch. She's got a really, really cute toddler that I like hanging out with, so. I think you'll like her, Kim Sejong. She's super, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Get in on this. Um, I read a cool fact from Wikipedia <laughs> that this was a web novel. Let me find oh. the author. Okay. It was a web novel posted on Kakao Page between 2017 and 2018 by the writer Hei Hua, who is a male writer who's always been praised for writing really interesting and strong and independent female characters. And I think that's just like baseline, the coolest thing I've ever read. The web novel went viral and then got turned into a webtoon by illustrator Narak in 2018, and then of course picked up as a freaking show. It's a K-drama now. And I think that's like so neat, and I don't think I respected Shinhadi as a character enough until I read that. Until I read that like that, and of course, Young So, like that someone wrote such interesting female leads, and that's what made people originally fall in love with this. I am completely, I did not know any of that, and I am obsessed with that. That makes me so happy that, I don't know, because I I think, I, I hope I mentioned that I fell in love with, also late in the game, but I fell in love with Hari when she refused to quit her job under the pressure of being relocated and her whole speech about how it would be a huge injustice if he went through with that. And it was way too late in the game. I, I still think <laughs> I really liked her before that there. I wasn't, I didn't have beef with her. I thought she was a great character. She became one of probably my all time favorite female lead, if not, or like definitely top three, if not favorite, but probably let's just go with favorite. Cause I'm obsessed with her <laughs> because of that speech that she gave. And it makes me so, I mean, obviously it was intentional. I shouldn't, it feels almost reductive to say it this way, but like to hear how intentional that was, that it, it was the basis of not just the, no the novel itself, but how that writer ha handles talking about and writing about women and also the basis of the popularity of something that, yeah, got picked up and ticket, and it became the whole package. It is the Kim Sejong of <laughs> <laughs> of media. It's the whole package. It's the whole package. It is 
Yeah, such a cool, inspiring story. Because I feel like maybe this is just my very limited perspective, but it seems like many male authors get praised kind of for the opposite, for building these spectacular worlds or these incredible characters or whatever their novels are famous for. And females are kind of on the back burner. I mean, not to stir the pot too much, but that was our biggest gripe with Alchemy of Souls, that it was one of the coolest shows we'd ever seen, but for some reason the female representation just was not there. And it's, yeah, it's cool to see the opposite, to see, and it makes so much more sense that it's not just another office romance where the CEO falls in love with one of his employees and he's kind of toxic and she's kind of funny And that's it. That's like most of what there is to it. It's so cool that a basis of this, this thing, this novel that became a webtoon that became a show was Shinhadi being so awesome. Oh, I love it. What good news. What good news. Uh, Shinhadi forever. I love her. Oh, that reminds me of another hot take that was not my own hot take. So I maybe a lukewarm take, but the internet had an interesting point about there was a collective disappointment in Young So's storyline with the pervert, the spy oh. cam, where they're like, it was so cool. There was so much buildup to her tackling the problem herself. Obviously, they didn't get too deep into the details of her being victimized, so it wasn't too black, it wasn't too bleak, it was handled really professionally and sometimes with a comedic edge, but it was her and then she brought in her best friend, these two females being like, this happened and it was bad and I'm going to fight back. And then people were unhappy that it got flipped and it went to the CEO to like save the damsels in distress and bring all the women together. Yeah, I can see that. I... And I don't disagree with it. I think I would just, I I don't even want to call it a counterpoint, but just like a consideration of appreciating that it was, I mean, we've railed on rich people. It is a problem, but also it is helpful when people in power, like rich men, acknowledge a problem to actually get people to action on it because, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's a little bit like, uh, I don't know, the rich equivalent of white saviorism, where it's like rich saviorism, where it's like, did he need to do that? Or could they have saved themselves? They they could have saved themselves. Young So is a rich person. But I don't know. It's just like a counter consideration, because I don't disagree that uh, now knowing that, that the whole thing is, you know, it, it was originally Young So being like, no, 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 no. Okay, come on. We're going to fucking confront this. We've got this. This is fine. I don't need a damsel moment. I got the help I needed in the moment. And now I'm going to legally confront this and say like this happened and speak up for myself. So I I think that I'm probably team internet now knowing that that was the original storyline. Oh no, I don't think that was the original. Sorry, I probably misspoke. Just that that's how it started with her going to the police station. Yes, and then it it flipped. So maybe it wasn't the original storyline. Either way, 
Yeah, I, I appreciate it more as a storyline. I think the inter I don't think the internet's wrong. I just think that um it also helps to have people who <laughs> the authorities will actually listen to yeah. call out a problem. It's hard because it perpetuates the society that we have where it's like, well, money, power, and being male will help significantly. <laughs> But even if this is a fictional story, that's going to be the case. It's like, can we not have fictional representation where the females are empowered and can solve this problem? And are believed when something, when someone does something to them that should be legally, there should be legal repercussions for instead of just the, but that's all the, all the footage he got. So you're good. (laughs) It will get a slap on the wrist and walk away. Ugh. Yeah. It's very realistic, but still kind of a downer. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> so it would have been nice to see maybe the less realistic version where she saves herself. But I get it. It makes more sense that he swept in and was able to <laughs> resolve that more resolutely. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that storyline after a couple episodes. Right, that too. I'm kind of disappointed in myself. (laughs) Well, I feel like we really harped on a similar storyline in Love and Contract being dropped. But (laughs) this, I feel like it was seen through. I think that they saw it through and they didn't focus on it. After they saw it through, which it's like, meh, meh. It kind of reminds me of the physical injuries disappearing very quickly. Yes. Where it's like, and also the emotional injuries sometimes disappeared just very quickly. And yeah. never come up again. At least it didn't get resurrected conveniently whenever they needed some kind of plot point to drive them together. Like, I think that's why it felt resolved is that they actually said, okay, well, he comes in and he throws the book at him. And then she does have some emotional, some residual emotional, I don't know, she's got some fear that she's got to deal with. She's got some stuff going on. They probably could have kind of talked a little bit more about how she, you know, maybe what she was doing to feel a little bit safer in her own life or something, just as like a aside, she is coping with this. It's just, we're not going to focus on it anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Because we did harp on it, but it did have a different vibe. It did not feel like it was just a weird, convenient, and completely unresolved plot. (laughs) Yes. For sure, this one felt like there was a clear beginning and end, but I guess if there's anything to feel unsettled about is that something like that would not have such a clear-cut ending. Yeah. But like you said, it's better that they ended it, they cut it off, rather than dragged it out, bringing it back every so often just when it's an interesting emotional issue that she can have. Yeah. Not healthy. (laughs) Not healthy. Um, anything else? Any other takes? I don't have any other hot takes. Oh, gosh. But I don't know how to say goodbye, either. I know. I want to keep talking about this. Should we just start it over? (laughs) (laughs) Keep going to the top. Start it over. But, like, 
what do we follow this up with, man? I just want to keep being happy. I think that's the scariest part is that you and I love every kind of drama, but they're not all equally emotionally taxing. Yeah. This This one one had low emotional investment. Yes. My emotions felt so safe with this drama. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid of picking something where my emotions don't feel safe. Even if I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even if we love it, we just, we probably just need real therapy. Yeah. So that we can deal with things like TV shows that are emotionally taxing. Definitely. Yes. (laughs) We're going to get a sponsor. We're going to get some therapy. It's going to be good. But until then, I, yeah, I just love a fluffy, fun drama. This has been probably the best fluffy, fun drama we've ever watched. Oh, thanks, Business Proposal. Thanks, Business Proposal. Uh, if you have any leftover feelings or if we, if our hot takes were too hot and you've got to fight fire with fire, reach out to us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, wait, first, did we rate it? Oh, shoot. We didn't rate it. <laughs> we gotta rate it. Um, I've got my number. I've got my number, but I feel weak because of it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I loved it. I was going to give it, I was going to give it a 9.5. Like, oh. literally just not a 10 for no other reason other than I think to maybe like the other K-dramas I have given a 10 to. I feel... I probably gave Crash Landing on You and Mr. Sunshine 10s, and yeah. I think that in in its genre, this is probably a 10, to be yeah. honest. It's just that those ones made me cry until I threw up, so. <laughs> yeah, this feels like a different category of dramas. I thought you were going to say you withheld half a point purely for Cha Sung-hoon, justice for Cha Sung-hoon. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, he's so strong. <laughs> That would, that's what, can I say that's why I withheld it instead of because I'm weird and don't know how to categorize dramas in their own genre? I put that burden on our listeners, which is probably unfair, but I'm like, they can tell the difference between Mr. Sunshine and Business Proposal. (laughs) They know they're not the same 10 out of 10s. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we could probably give this one a 10, unless we do want to collectively, as the podcast, dock half a point just as for <laughs> Chasun. Okay, we'll do it for him. That feels like the right thing. <laughs> All right, 9.5 for Chasun Hoon. <laughs> we loved this show. <laughs> it was so good. It was, it, it honestly, if any... If you're hearing this instead of just reading what our rating is, just know it's a 10 out of 10. We just have, we have to back our boy up. (laughs) (laughs) But you know it's a 10. You know it's a 10. Um, Uh, Now housekeeping. Now housekeeping. If you want to support our podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash playonk and get our full length episodes that include our pre-show ramble where we just chit chat about what we're watching what we're doing every week and yeah i think that's it (laughs) that's our patreon (laughs) and support the show yeah the very freest way to help out the podcast is to rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to us preferably apple 
podcasts, but really anywhere, genuinely anywhere. It's just Apple Podcasts really give the give the hit to those algorithms, and it helps other K drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Play on K Podcast, on X, previously Twitter at Play on K, and on TikTok at Play on K underscore Emily. Yes. Did we miss something? Did we do the website where you can also find our podcast, playonk.com? We missed our whole website. <laughs> playonk.com. Uh, yeah, we've got affiliate links and newsletters and just some stuff over there. Go go check it totally out. <gasps> and I missed the thing that I my brain wanted so badly. It's that we have polls on our Patreon. If you're a subscriber, you can help us figure out what to watch next, which is important right now, this week. We need to know what to watch next. Yeah, so if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can get a say in what we watch next. We try and provide a list of different genres uh, within the K-drama realm. So if you're like, we need more fluff, you can get a say in that. But if you're like, we need something that will hurt our feelings, then you can get a say in that. <laughs> Whatever you want, we'll watch it. Um, and that's it. We will see you next week with whatever you guys decide to let us watch. Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye, 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 bye.